Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. I just want to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And it's always good to know that there is someone listening to what I'm talking about. And what we talk about is doctrine. We talk about culture. And we talk about a whole lot of things that are going on. And today's episode is going to be one that just really kind of frustrates me. It's something that I have found myself today being a little angry over, and by the time you hear this, uh, this will have already been through, over, with, and I would have moved on from my frustration, and I don't know, still may be frustrated for years to come, and probably the rest of my life, to be honest with you, but today's episode, as you know by the title, is something that we have been dealing with now as a culture for quite some time, and it's not getting any better. As a matter of fact, it's only getting worse. So I want to talk about today both abortion and adoption. Now, I know that abortion is a hot-button issue in our culture, and it shouldn't be. Let me just let me just put that out there from the beginning. It should not be a hot-button issue in our culture. Let me just go on record here to let you know exactly where I stand on abortion, if you don't already. And abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. In my biblical worldview opinion, I believe it is murder. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. And you may think, well, it's just a fetus. And let me just tell you what fetus means. It's Latin for small child. So we're not talking about murdering a cluster of cells. We're talking about murdering a small child. And we're talking about doing what the Bible clearly tells us not to. Now, I know all of you listening, most of you, if not all of you, are going to agree with this view. You're going, you're going to agree with me that abortion is murder, that it is a, uh, the taking of a human life. Although within a mother's womb, it is still a small child. And if you know biology, and we can't really refute biology because this has been proven, that life begins at conception. So by the time you realize that you're pregnant, or a woman realizes she's pregnant, then there is already a small child inside of her, because at conception began life. And the taking of that life is murder. And I I find myself frustrated about this because we live in a world where we give more frustration, anger, emotions toward a statue standing somewhere in a city in America. A statue of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, um, Thomas Jefferson, anyone. Even back in my hometown, they were talking about the Elvis statue because He took the blues away from the black man. It's just, there's crazy things that are going around. People looking at statues and they're angry because we have statues standing, yet there is no outcry for the murdering of a small child. 
Now, there are even states that are pushing bills and trying to get things passed to where even up until the very day, and I think there may be some places like this already, that you can kill this baby even before the umbilical cord is cut, that you can murder this child for whatever reason because you want to have an abortion. Now, I am frustrated over this because we don't take human life, we don't take responsibility for this human life because we can just think it's expendable, that it's not a human life, that it's just a cluster of cells. And when I say we, I say Americans and and people in the world. We just see it as no big deal. There is no big deal with abortion in most people's eyes. They'd rather look at a statue and tear it down than look at a Planned Parenthood and tear it down. We'd rather set Wendy's on fire than set a Planned Parenthood on fire. Now, I do not condone the setting of fire to anything at all. So don't hear me say, go out and start fires. Please do not start fires. But what we as Christians should do is we should stand up and voice our opinion on abortion. Because here's what I've seen with the church. For the most part, we are silent. Now, I, recently through this murder of George Floyd and all these things that have happened, there have been a lot of signs, a lot of social media outcries that says silence is compliance. Now, I recently saw a video of a man that walked up to these healthcare professionals and they were doing a protest on their own. You know, they're all in solidarity out there in their white coats and all these things. And the man holding the camera that walks up happens to be a black man. And you see this woman come forth and she kneels down. Do black lives matter? You've probably seen this video. And they're like, yes. And this guy with the camera says, does uh, the guy that was killed in the protest, does the police officer's life, does his life matter? Yes. Do our brothers that are killing one another, do those black lives matter? Yes. What about the babies in the womb? The black babies that are murdered in the womb, aborted, do their lives matter? Complete silence. So silence is compliance. And this is one time where I can get behind that, that if you have to be silent when somebody says, what about the black lives in the womb? What about the white lives in the womb? What about whatever color? What about the children's? The, the ones that are created in the image of God, what about their life? Does it matter? And then there's silence. So, in other words, no, their life doesn't matter. And I'm going to comply with Planned Parenthood and the rest of the people that abort babies across this world, whether it be in the most upscale neighborhoods and best buildings or some back alley abortion who's making 20 bucks off of taking the life of a, an unborn child. You see, the church has been silent way too long. Not all churches, not everybody. There are some great people doing some great works. Many of you know Jeff Durbin. You've seen Jeff Durbin. You've seen all of the things that he and and his church are doing and the people there that are associated with Jeff Durbin. I love watching those guys and girls do what they do. It is amazing to watch them stand for the unborn and teach and preach the gospel stand up in the face of adversity and push back on the the police when they say they can't do it, when really they have every right to be able to do what they're out there doing. So they lovingly and respectfully push back against the authorities when they try to come against them. They do it from a biblical worldview. They do it very respectfully. They do it to 
uh, stand up for the rights they have to be there. Why? Because they love those mothers, those fathers, and most importantly, they're there because they love those unborn children. Matter of fact, it was Jeff Durbin that pointed me to fetus being the Latin word for small child. And then I did some research, and absolutely, it means small child. So Jeff Durbin and his crew are standing up for the unborn. You've got John Speed over in Texas and, and several people doing that. You've got people all over the world that are doing a work, but for the majority, the church has remained silent on abortion. We cannot stay silent anymore. We will, we will be the first to step up and yell, we got to be able to meet. You can't make us stop meeting. But sadly, we've even seen many churches bow the knee to the government and stop meeting, and they're not going to meet for whatever reason. And many cases, it's, it's wisdom. But some cases, it's just bowing the knee to Caesar. So don't hear me say that if your church isn't meeting, that there isn't wisdom involved there. But there are many churches that are bowing to the agenda of the government without even pushing back one bit. And if you were listening to the last episode, you know that Christianity is coming to an end if we continue to go down this path, if we continue to remain silent. The same thing is happening with abortion. The church has been silent too long. We have to be able to stand up for the unborn, to get out to those places where abortions are taking place. And we have to stand there and beg and plead with the parents going in not to go in to kill their baby. We have to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to do things that are necessary. We have to stand in the face of adversity. We have to keep pushing forward. We have to not let this be the norm. We've got to stand up for the unborn. We've got to get out of our comfort zone and call it what it is. It's murder. I was a part of a church one time, briefly. Uh, I say briefly, it was about a year and a half, where there were people in this church, and they were touting their abortion. They were saying, I got an abortion, and people were basically high-fiving them, and they went to the rally in Washington where they wore the pink vaginas on their hats, and the church they were involved in never said a word to them, and when they tried, they would just get, the leadership would just get it, right? And, and basically, we see a pastor get moved out because uh, he was too conservative, too biblical, and all the while, these women are touting abortion, wearing vaginas on their head, and the church is still there. The church is still, quote-unquote, growing physically, but spiritually, that church is dead. I believe Ichabod is being written over the door. The glory of God has departed because no one is willing to stand up against these people and their beliefs. And I don't understand why the church has to be silent as well. I have some theories, and one of those theories is I believe that the church gets complacent. We have what we have. We're doing what we're doing. We're going through the motions. We see all that's going on out there, but the nearest abortion mill is probably 60, 70, 80 miles away from us. We don't know people that are getting them. So we're just going to keep here in our own bubble and, and, and just continue to let children die because we don't really see it where we're at. That is sad because there are so many places that you can contribute to. If you can't get out on the front lines and stand there and, and beg and plead and preach the gospel to uh, fathers and mothers who are about to kill their child, then you can 
donate money to to help the ones that are doing it on a daily basis. You can pray for those people, but we have to do something. We have to be able to use our social media accounts to stand up and say, we believe abortion is murder, and this is why, because life begins at conception. That's science. That's biology. We believe that the right way to understand what fetus means is small child, and we must believe that the Bible is clear that you shall not murder, and to take a life of a baby is to be in direct defiance of the Word of God. Therefore, we are in sin if we do this, or if you do this. So I believe abortion is murder. We have to use what we've been given, the platforms that we've been given. You have to talk about these in conversations. If you know somebody that may be contemplating an abortion. Talk with them through a biblical worldview. Tell them you'll find somebody to adopt their child. Tell them that you will help them. You'll be there with them. You'll walk through this process. But we have got to stop remaining silent on these issues. The sad thing is many Christians won't even speak up and preach the gospel or proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, let alone stand up and cry out for the unborn. But all of these things have to stop. We have to stop being silenced because I do believe this is a case where silence is compliance, because if we continue to let it happen on our watch, then I believe that we are going to be judged accordingly for letting it happen, or at least not saying anything about it when the time comes. We have all of the resources, we have all of the things at our fingertips to be able to do what we need to do and get that message out there that we're willing to help, that we think it's murder, that you're in direct defiance of the word, you're in sin, but God can forgive you. He'll forgive you. Don't do it. We have to cry out for the unborn because who else will? There have been many great stories of women who have not gone through the abortion and have either kept their baby or found uh, somebody has helped them find someone to adopt that child. There have been so many great testimonies of churches coming along and buying diapers and taking care of the mother and the baby. Man, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to see the church be the church, but the church has got to stop living on the couch and get in the game. It's easy to watch a football game from the couch. One thing that's hard to do is get in a game and play. So we are not called to sit on a couch and watch everybody else play the game. We as believers are called to get in the game. We are called to be on the front lines. We are called to support those on the front lines. We are called to do whatever it takes to promote the message that God has given us. And we are standing by allowing children to be killed in the womb every single day. One of the things that really has frustrated me recently is during the mandatory lockdowns in many states, abortion was said to be ceased. It had to stop. No more during the lockdown. Small win. But then that quickly went away as many people defied the government order and opened up the abortion clinic. Many people were driving to different states to get an abortion because apparently it is so easy to abort a child in America. And I think that's where my frustration lies here on this episode. So you're probably hearing a little frustration in my voice, and I think it's justified, or I hope you would think it's justified, that we have got to stop letting this happen on our watch. Now, th there comes a time, I, I said this in, in one other episode, that I don't know that we'll ever see the full eradication of abortion 
because it's sin. We live in a fallen world with fallen men. Uh, fallen men are going to get in positions to allow this to continue to happen, but we can sure do our part while we're here to try to make a dent in it, to try to stop women from murdering their babies. We have got to do our part, family. We've got to do our part. We've got to stop sitting by and watching babies be murdered every single day without saying a word. It's frustrating for me on two, two accounts. One, as I've mentioned, it's the murder of a small child the fetus. Life begins at conception. I think with those three things just alone, we see that abortion is murder and it should be stopped. I believe that anyone that gets an abortion or has an abortion, I believe they should be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law of what a murderer is, somebody that murders someone not an unborn, somebody that's already born. So if somebody takes the life of someone else and they're a murderer, then someone that has an abortion should be held to that same standard. You and I could argue that point all day long, but when I look at the evidence, when I look at the biblical evidence, I see that it's murder. It is an intent to harm, to kill, to take the life of. It is an unlawful killing, killing done by the judgment of one human being against another for personal reasons. Abortion is murder. The second reason I'm frustrated with it, and I'll talk about that here in just a second. I want to throw in a quick uh, commercial for a great podcast that is out there that I'd love to point you to to go listen. But the second reason I'm frustrated about abortion is because it's so much easier to get an abortion in America than it is to adopt. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. The Five Solas Podcast, a weekly podcast hosted by James Watkins that is dedicated to the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode to discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant reformers, the prophetic challenge they present, and the sound wisdom they provide, as we delve into their biblical meaning and theological significance and reflect upon and appropriate their truths. We will be engaging issues in the church and world. Each week, from the rich insight of Reformation Christianity, we will be showing all the manifold ways in which this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness, and confront the idols of our age with biblical discernment and a sound apologetic in a manner that is as open and transparent as possible, while challenging you to seek the glory of God in all that you do. Soli Deo Gloria. And welcome back to the podcast. I'd love for you to check out the Five Solas podcast. You can find that anywhere that you get your podcast. So thank you for coming back with us on the second half of the podcast. And we are talking about abortion and also adoption. That is what the second half of the episode today is going to concern ourselves with adoption. And before the little commercial there, I said that it was much easier in the United States to get an abortion than it is to adopt. So I have some personal connection to that. My wife and I have felt the need and the call to 
begin the process of fostering to adopt a child, up to two, possibly three. We don't know. We already have four children, but we don't want to limit God. One of the things that I said when uh, we kind of made this announcement to our close friends and family, I kind of put one of the things to, to rest quickly, and one of the biggest questions would be, in the world we live in, don't you have enough kids already? And my answer to that is we're going to have enough kids when God says we have enough kids. So we are going through the fostering to adopt process. Now, through this process, it has been very interesting to say the least because we're going through the state with DHS and uh, there is a lot, a lot of paperwork. There is a lot of red tape. There is a lot of things that is needed. I mean, I sat for hours filling out a packet and you have to get things notarized. If you have anybody in the home that's over 14 or 14 and over, they have to have stuff notarized. And let me tell you, the school that my oldest son that just turned 14 is in, they don't do school IDs. We don't have him a state issued ID. He has no picture ID on him. He just turned 14 in May. And let me tell you that you can't get anything notarized without a picture ID. We were, by the grace of God, uh, able to get it notarized and turned in all the paperwork. And that happened after filling out all that paperwork, going and get everything notarized, going to the post office. We got the, they got the paperwork turned back in and started looking through it, and they had failed to send us about nine sheets of paper to fill out and have notarized. So we had to go through all that again. Again, by the grace of God, we were able to get my 14-year-old's paperwork notarized, and it's only by the grace of God, and that's all, uh, because it was kind of a big ordeal, and it led me to thinking about it's easier to abort a baby in the United States than it is to adopt one, and there I was thinking through two things. Number one, people can get an abortion for most times zero dollars, a small fee. Now, when we foster to adopt, it, it is free. It's not uh, the typical adoption where you would spend a lot of money to get the you know baby of your choice or whatever, however that works. It's not an international adoption, but there's no money involved in it here on our end, so there's just a lot of other work. Which led me to think about the documentation needed to get an abortion to kill a small child is far less documentation than you need to adopt an already living child. And one of the things that I find frustrating in the adoption system and the foster care system is that there are people in this world that can go through this whole long process and there are classes you must take, training, certifications you must have done. There's so much that has to be completed before you can ever even foster a child. And then there's so many people that go through this process that get these children and they abuse them, they mistreat them, they don't feed them, they do all of these things and yet they went through all of this background check, they went through all of these things they had to fill out, they went through all of these classes, they went through all of these in-home walkthroughs, they went through all of these things that have to be done when it comes to adopting or fostering to adopt a child, and yet they get these children, everything lines up, and then they mistreat them, they abuse them, they do things that harm these children when these children would have been better off somewhere else rather than with the people that went through all of these things. 
and wound up with them and ended up their life gets even worse as a result. Yet you can go get an abortion by showing your ID, uh, showing that you're pregnant, and maybe even having a referral from a doctor. And you can have your child ripped from your body for a small fee and just limited documentation. You walk in, they say, come back Thursday, we'll take care of you. You'll no longer have that child. We will murder it for you. And you can go on about your way, live your life, be happy, and enjoy yourself, which is really a bunch of baloney because that is sinful. It is murder. We've already talked about that. I don't want to get into it again. My blood pressure is getting a little high, if you can't tell. I'm frustrated with abortion and then the adoption process that is so difficult. Why is it so difficult for a family to want to adopt a child, but yet you can murder one very easily in this country? There is something absolutely wrong with that, folks. There is something absolutely wrong with the fact that it's so much easier to kill a child than to adopt one. Now, I know and I believe that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. There are things that are going to happen in this world that we will never fully understand, that we're never going to fully know. But God does. God knows the outcome. And I have to pull myself back and rest in the sovereignty of God and knowing that one day he's going to make all things new, that none of these things are outside of his grasp, outside of his sight. Everything is pointing back to him. He knows all. He knows how everything's going to end. He knows if abortion will ever be uh, ended in this world before Jesus comes back. He knows everything. So for me, I have to rest in him, but it makes me wonder why. And I don't think it's great to question God because if you believe he is sovereign and he believe, you believe that he is in control of all things and no matter what you go through in life, he is working all things out for your good, which is to become more like Jesus Christ, and that's great. But it does leave us thinking, why? Why, why is this allowed to happen? But we know as believers It's all for God's glory. Somehow things are happening and they're giving him glory. He's going to get it through it no matter what. But we live in the world, folks, where it's easier to get an abortion than adoption. And I don't understand why even when the adoption process is finalized, people still mistreat these children. It seems like children just can't catch a break. Matter of fact, in Jesus' day, When the little children came running up to sit on his lap and all that, the disciples were trying to hurry him out of there and tell the little kids to get away. So the little kids have been getting a bad rap ever since the times of Jesus. But Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Jesus values the life of children. So we should as well. I can't tell you how many Christians that I have, or let me say air quote Christians, that I've come across in my lifetime that have been some of the most hateful people towards children that I've ever seen. I recently was listening to a question and answer from uh, one of the conferences held out at Grace Community Church in California at John MacArthur's church, and they were talking about children, children in the worship service, children after uh, church is over and all these things, talking about integrated family worship. We do that as well at our church, one of the best things we've ever moved to as a body of believers, I love having the children in our worship gatherings. We love having family integrated worship, but there's a lot of people in the world, a lot of people that say they're Christians that do not like having kids in the same worship center that they are in as adults. 
there are a lot of parents that don't like having kids in the worship center with them because they see it as it's time to get a break from their kids. But the Bible never teaches us as parents that we're going to ever have a break from our kids. The Bible teaches us that we as parents need to be training our kids. We need to be teaching them the gospel, that we need to be teaching them sound biblical doctrine and theology and raising them up in the way of the Lord. But many parents want to come to church and say, this is my two hours while they're at Sunday school and then children's church. I'm dropping them off and I'm just going to sit here without kids for a while. That is not biblical, especially when we look back at Jesus and he's saying, let the little children come to me. Do not distract them. Do not hold them back. I want them on my lap, which brings me back around to listening to this question and answer about John MacArthur and what he said about people that were kind of frustrated about kids and stuff and they after the service is over he said there would be kids that are just up on the platform they're running around the pulpit they're having a good time they're laughing and and people will want to say get off the pulpit get get away from the pulpit get off the stage you know all these things and he's like let them run around let them have fun this is a picture of life these are children we value children here and apparently there was a fountain there outside i don't know if it's still there i was at shepcon back in 2019 i don't recall seeing a fountain maybe it is still there but uh, in the warmer months, some of the kids would get in there and just wade around in the water, and, and people would be like, get out, get out, get out, you know? And John MacArthur's like, let the kids stay in there as long as somebody's watching them, right? Let kids be kids because we value our children here. And sadly, there are many people, many churches that don't value children. They'd see the children as a distraction. This has been happening for the children since Jesus. It's happening now as we are, are murdering the children in the womb. It's happening in churches as we try to push them off to the side. It's happening even in the adoption process that people are adopting these babies and adopting, adopting these children and mistreating them. Not, not everybody, don't hear me say that. So a lot of people, there's always another story on the news about how someone has fostered and either abused sexually, physically, or harmed in some way these children that they fostered. So children have been getting a bad rap from the very beginning. And God calls us to value children. So I want to encourage you as we start to kind of wind down this episode, I want to encourage you to start looking at your stance on abortion. If you believe that it is murder, if you believe that it is wrong, then use your platform, whatever that may be, to stand up and teach against abortion, to teach the gospel along with abortion, because if you value children, then you will not support abortion at all. If you are a true believer in Christ, then you will not support abortion at all. It's that simple. You cannot be a true believer and support abortion because you are supporting murder, and God says not to murder. So, also, think about how you're viewing children in your worship services, in your church. Do you care about kids? What can you do as a person to help another child out? You know, children playing in your sanctuaries and all those things is a sound of life. Now, there are some places that you don't want your children to be in a worship service. I don't think you want them jumping in a full baptistry unattended. Uh, I don't think you're going to want them to run around all of the stage equipment where they could trip and hurt themselves and, and do something like that if there's wires and, and different things, instruments laying around. But what about kids in your life? Do you value them? 
Because if you value kids, again, you're going to hate abortion. If you value kids, you're going to love having them in your church. If you value kids, if your pastor and your elders move to family integrated worship, you're going to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I love this. This is amazing because it's biblical. So we can't be those Christians that say we hate abortion, but also look around the sanctuary and say, I hate these kids running in here. I used to see people all the time that say they love Jesus and love the Lord and they love church, but you let a kid run past them or a ball fly by their head, not a hard ball, a soft ball, like a little squishy ball that maybe a kid has kind of thrown up in the air. And I've watched people come unglued on those kids, yell at them, make them feel worthless. I've seen kids go off in the corner and cry, and I just have to be pastoral, love on those children, and tell the adults that this is not okay. We uh, we value our kids. So this episode is strictly for you to step back and look at your life. We need to value these babies. We need to value these children. Jesus did. And aren't we to be like Christ? So as we are being conformed to the image of Christ, then we are no longer being conformed to the pattern of the world, as Romans 12, 2 teaches us. So if you value the Lord, if you love the Lord, then you will value his children. And that is from the unborn to the born and everything in between, you will love and value a child. But we do live in a day where it's so much easier to murder one than adopt one. We have to stand up and use our voice. I pray that you will not be sitting on the couch any longer, that you'll get in the game, that you'll do something. If I can help you in any way, please reach out to me here, Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Doctrine Matters Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Stephen Dew, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas. You can find me that way. Reach out to me. Whatever I can do to help, however I can pray for you, I can point you to resources, I can, I can partner with you, we can do things to help show our love and value for our children, especially those in the womb. Reach out. Find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and I would love to talk with you. If you have any other thoughts, any other comments, any other thing that could help go along with this episode, please feel free to leave them on the Facebook post. Feel free to reach out, email those. I'd love to talk to you about this situation, but do pray for our church. Pray for the universal church that we would step up and be who God has called us to be and be a voice for the unborn and step up and be who God has called us to be. Maybe you need to start the process of fostering to adopt. Maybe you just want to go straight to adoption. The Bible teaches us that true religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. So maybe it's time for you to take the step in adoption, maybe fostering and doing your part there. So pray for, pray about that. And then step up and stand up for the ones in our churches, those children that get a bad rap. Lead them, disciple them, because they're not only our leaders of tomorrow, they're our leaders right now. So let's invest some time in our children, not just push them off to the side. We need to show them the love of Christ, and in doing so, we give God glory, we exalt Christ, and we're building one another up. We're doing what this life's all about. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great day. Feel free to contact us, and we'll talk to you next time. God bless. God bless.